Today on the pod, we have the head football coach at Ohio Wesleyan University, Tom Watts. Uh, coach Watts is going to talk about how he really didn't have much of a choice in what field he was going to go into besides coaching football, um, the importance of leadership, and his game day routine. Hope you enjoy. Welcome to the Bases Loaded Podcast. I'm your host, Gabe Kennedy, and today my guest is Tom Watts. Coach, how's it going, man? Good. How you doing? Doing fantastic. How old are you and what's your profession? I am 40 years old, and I am the head football coach at Ohio Wesleyan University. Good deal. So we were, uh, we were supposed to connect a couple weeks ago, but uh, you, know, you, were, you were busy on vacation, a vacation that didn't last very long, right? You had some, some terrible news in the sporting world that, that broke on your vacation, right? Yeah, it wasn't, uh, you know, kind of knew it was coming. Um, obviously, there's a lot of talks of our season getting moved around a little bit. And uh, the timing of it wasn't ideal, but we took it in stride. You know, we were given a kind of a 24-hour heads up that our guys' fall season was going to be canceled or pushed to the spring. Shouldn't say canceled, postponed to the spring is probably the, the right terminology to be used. Um, and, you know, had the opportunity while we were down on vacation to communicate with our guys and, you know, break their hearts a little bit, unfortunately. Um, but, you know, we got great kids, man. They understood. They kind of saw the writing on the wall with a lot of different conferences. Uh, we weren't the first to go. So, you know, it was pretty, pretty common right now. I think there's only one conference left in Division Three, maybe two, that are still trying to play this fall. So, Jeez, O'Pete. Yeah, that's, that's something that you don't, you know, obviously plan on as a head coach. You're trying to scheme and you're trying to do this and that, and you got news like that that breaks. What, you know, how important is that to have leaders on your team, though, to kind of help the other guys through it? Ah, that's everything. I mean, that's how you have a good team. That's how you don't have a good team is if you have good kids that, um, you know, I, I think football teaches you a lot about adversity and uh, how to respond to adversity in a good way or bad way. And, you know, when you have those really good kids that understand that things aren't going to be in your control all the time, um, you know, they took it in stride. It was kind of, it was interesting. I didn't know how they'd honestly respond and uh, it was kind of quiet. And they let it kind of digest. They didn't just start blurting things out or asking a thousand questions. Uh, gave them a couple of days to think about it. They came back and they had, you know, they did their homework, man. It was awesome. It was kind of saying, you know, what are my options here? What do we do here? What are we, what's the plans moving forward? What's the spring going to look like? What's the fall going to look like? Um, you know, they just want to play. And, uh, you know, they understand they want to, it's about being safe and doing the right thing right now too. Yep. Yep, absolutely. Um, so let's go back when you were a kid, man. Um, obviously, if you're a coach, uh, being at the young age of 40, you're a, you're a fanatic of all sports. So what was it like growing up as a kid for you in the backyard? I had a front row um, to football. My dad was a high school football coach at North Olmsted High School in Cleveland, Ohio. Um, my grandfather was a high school football coach all over the place from Camp McKinley, East Liverpool, all the way out to California. Um, my great-grandfather, Ray Watts, was the AD, head football coach, head basketball coach at Baldwin Wallace College for 35 years. So, you know, I, it, it's obviously been in my blood. I'm a fourth-generation coach. Um, you know, I, it's just fun, man. I had a front row. I was around good people. You know, my dad always had a simple, simple saying, is if you're around good people, you'll end up probably being a good person. And, uh, you know, he always had me around the guys. I was in the locker room. I was on the field. I was the ball boy in game days. Um, I was his I, – I, back in the day when the coaches had cords, I, I was allowed to hold his cord, I think, one game, and then I got fired. <laughs> I, 
wasn't paying attention too well. And <laughs> I think I, think I, I went back to be a ball boy pretty quickly right after that. <laughs> what was it? What was the problem? Were you just rewatching the play or were the oh, yeah. I was in, I was in the game and not paying attention to him and definitely worrying about what was happening on the field. And I think I yanked it off his head three or four times and, um, that was it, man. It was it was back to being ball boy and follow the the white, you know, the striped guys around the field and stay away from him. So, so, so if any of your buddies asked, "Hey, did you get fired?" You're like, "Nah, I like being a ball boy better." Yeah, absolutely. Ball boy, it's way more. It's a better job. You get to run around the field a little bit. Exactly. Um, so, with that being said, I mean, it sounds like you didn't have much of a a choice career wise other than being a coach. Would you have been like disinvited to you know family <laughs> gatherings, Thanksgiving, Christmas? Are you not invited if you're not a coach or what? Well. I didn't have much of a choice. My mom, as much as my dad is a football fanatic and a football coach, my mom, she was a phys ed teacher at Mid Park High School. Um, And she is that, you know, unbelievable football mom that just loved every Friday, supportive. She still to this day sends me a saying once a week of some inspirational leadership message that she found. Um, So it was, you know, we were around it and it was, it was fun to be around because um, just there's a lot of excitement, you know, it's, a lot of people trying to come together. Uh, it wasn't individual sports, team sport. So it was, you know, it's, I don't know any other way. I couldn't compare it to, to anything else. Um, but it, you know, just a, it, was a, it was an unbelievable way of being around some good people growing up. Sure. So who were you in the backyard or, or on recess? Who did oh. you try to emulate? Well, I was average at best, let's put it that way. But I, I dreamed of a lot of people. Um, you know, my dad was a big Jim Brown fan. Um, you know, Mar- I, I actually was – Marcus Allen was my favorite guy growing up. And my grandfather lived in L.A. at the time. He lived in Laguna, uh, Laguna Beach, actually. And so he always bring me Raiders stuff back. And so I became kind of a quiet Raiders fan. But, you know, my dad obviously impressed the Browns on me. Um, and the Buckeyes, of course, you know. And, but I was, I was a huge Marcus Allen fan growing up. That's awesome. Um, so what, what about high school, man? What do you miss about high school playing with friends? Um, or do you not miss it? Are you, are you just excited to be coaching college? Oh, I mean, my high school was a great experience. You know, I went to, I went to Cloverleaf high school, which is really six small towns kind of come together to form a high school. And, you know, a lot of tough kids, farm kids, um, good mix of kids, you know, and it, it was impressed upon you that hard work pays off. Had a great coach, Coach Lake, um, great mentor, a lot of passion. I mean, the guy loved the game of football, and it's pretty easy to love the game as well when you have someone that's out in front being that guy, you know, and you just saw the, saw the love he had for the players, saw the love he had for the game. Um, but I also had a cool opportunity. My dad retired when I was a sophomore in high school. And my senior year, um, Coach Lake talked my dad into coming and being the offensive coordinator. My dad was reluctant because he knew he'd be tough on me. He knew he was going to push me. Um, but I always said, I said, I, you know, I'm not going to give you an example. You know, I'm not going to give you a reason to yell at me. I'm going to, you know, work hard. And I did. I worked harder because of it. Um, and just, you know, being around some of my best friends I'm still close with, um, even though we all went in different directions to college or not, you know, just went to, on the jobs. And we still stay in touch because we share that bond, man. That Friday night lights is hard to, you know, I, you know it's a, that's a special thing. And that's the way it should always be is high school equals Friday night lights. So did you and your dad used to watch like film together at home during the week? Oh yeah. I mean, it was, I don't, and, and this is kind of funny because I should have been a better student um, because I was around it all the time, but he would take me on, you know, he goes scout games and I think it was more of just to kind of shut me up, but he would like, Hey, watch the right guard the next five plays. <laughs> 
<laughs> and I would just sit there and I'm like, oh, he went right. He went left. I, mean, I didn't know what the hell he was talking about, but <laughs> I felt like I was, you know, contributing to his scouting. Um, and I was sitting in staff meetings. So, you know, maybe I took it for, you know, I think I took it um, for granted a little bit growing up. But I think once I became a coach, I'm like, oh, oh, that, you know, that makes sense. That's why they did this. That's why they did that. Um, and, you know, obviously I had a lot of good coaches along the way to, you know, put up with, put up with me and guide me the right way. So would he quiz you on uh, like college football Saturdays or pro games on Sunday? Would he, would he like pause it and quiz you about alignments and stuff like that? Not necessarily. We just talked about what he liked, what he didn't like. Um, he's a firm believer in, 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 in trap, loves it. We'll argue that till three hours till he's blue in the face with it. Um, you know, he throws back the single wing with my great grandfather to the wing tees, my grandfather. Um, you know, so there's a lot of older stuff compared to the new stuff. And I think the fun part now is looking at the current offenses and the defenses and saying, hey, you know, 30, 40 years ago, it's kind of really the same. There's a lot of, you know, obviously core principles that these guys are doing. They're just doing it from a different look. Um, tempo of the game's changed a lot. It's a lot faster. You know, he's, he used to watch film on the, on the reel-to-reel stuff, and I'd wake up in the morning here to click, 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 and then you'd hear him swear when it broke. <laughs> um, you know, stuff like that but you know so the technology has changed a lot and he enjoys that though because you know we I got him on our huddle stuff I got him on our, our playbook stuff and he can look through it and he's just mesmerized on you know what we're doing and how we're doing things and just you know just seeing the evolution of the game sure uh so what about your college day how was how was your college experience uh you know I went to so I went to Hanover College Southern Indiana um I think I look back now and I thought maybe I was always going to go to BW because that's my whole family. Um, obviously went there. My grandfather and my dad both played there. Uh, and, uh, you know, my dad kind of pushed me away from that. He said, Hey, go, you know, try new things, meet new people. The defensive coordinator at Hanover was a guy by the name of Bill Trushko who played for my dad. And that's kind of how I got on campus there. And I fell in love with it. Um, it's a beautiful campus right on Ohio river, Southern Indiana. They were winning a lot of football games, um, a lot, and they were winning conference championships. And I think that was really impressive to my dad is just knowing that, hey, you know, it's going to be hard. You're around good players, but I think you're going to have a really good experience because they obviously are doing things the right way by winning. Um, they didn't cut corners. And, uh, you know, it was, it was a good experience. I didn't play a whole lot, to be honest with you. Um, but I love the guys that I've become close with, my friends and teammates and um, it was probably the best thing for me at the time. And my dad, without really telling me this, it, you know, it kind of just happened. Um, but it made me mature. You know, it, it matured me, obviously, being four and a half hours away from home and uh, kind of knocking me out of my comfort zone, man. It was, so I was around some really good people. And that's kind of how I ended up getting in the, some of my coaching jobs were all handover connections, to be honest with you. Yep. So that leads us to the next question. Uh, after college, how did you end up getting into coaching? Um, you know, I, obviously, I was trying to network with my dad and use a lot of connections that he had, my family had, um, you know, and it was kind of funny the way I got my, I, my first job was at Waynesburg College, which is now Waynesburg University in Southwest Pennsylvania. And um, rewind a couple years as a sophomore in, in college, I had a, a position coach named Matt Theobald, who is now the current head coach at Hanover College. Uh, but he was my house dad in my fraternity. And he went away um, with another Hanover guy named Jeff Han, who was the head coach at Waynesburg. And uh, Theo, as I call him Theo, Matt Theobald actually came back and he tried to sneak in a dinner at a fraternity house. He was, he was just in town, like, oh, I'll get a free meal. And uh, he walked in the kitchen. I walked in the kitchen. And he asked me what I was going to plan on doing. I was like, I was trying to get in coaching. And 
boom, they had a graduate assistant job open. And uh, that was it, man. I was coaching D-line, which was a whole different experience because I wasn't used to that. So it was good. Wow. Uh, so, so wow, holy smokes. So take us through the process uh, of you getting hired a little bit uh, at, at OWU and kind of the events that led up to it. You know, I was at Baldwin-Wallace for, uh, for three years prior to that and having a great experience. We were winning a lot of football games, had a lot of great kids. Um, was under John Snell, who was obviously there for a while, and he's current the assistant. Or he's, he's actually the interim athletic director right now there. And uh, had a great, really good experience. And Owu came open. Um, you know, Mike Holloway was here for over 25 years. So this place obviously wasn't available. It was off the market for a long time. And I had a friend here, uh, Mike Ward, who Mike's dad was my health, my seventh grade health teacher. So I've known Mike for a long time. Our families go way back. And his dad is a, is a mentor of mine as well. And it came open. Mike said, hey, the job's open. You should apply for it. I applied for it. And to be honest with you, I mean, I'm 31 years old. Didn't think I had a chance in hell to, to get the job. But, you know, I always thought, hey, if it's open, why not try? And uh, got an interview. Um, was obviously had some, some, some really help with some, a lot of references to kind of get my foot in the door there. And then uh, the, the athletic director was named Roger Ingalls. And he was a longtime baseball coach here, AD here. And I was the first interview, I think, and I don't know how many guys they interviewed. And it went weeks, you know, and I didn't know what was going on. And, and I knew the last guy interviewed um, well over a week ago before I got a call. And I actually was pulling into work at BW. And my phone rang, and I, didn't, I knew it was Columbus' number. Answered it, and he's, it was Roger. And he's like, hey, Tom, it's, you know, Roger, I want to offer you the job. And I was, just, you know, I was sitting in the car and kind of floored, and I was like, kind of, I was, I was caught off guard, to be honest with you. Um, he kind of gave me the, <laughs> he, you know, he's talking salary, he's talking, you know, you can get this, you can do this. And, and honestly, I don't even think I argued anything. I just took the damn job and said, hell yes, let's go. <laughs> and the uh, next question was, well, when can you be here? And I was like, well, I'm actually in my car right now. I could be there in probably two hours if you need me to be. And he said, kind of pump the brakes a little bit. And, um, you know, and I'm grateful for that because there was a guy that took a, you know, took a shot at a young guy. Um, and, you know, there's a way more qualified guys that obviously probably deserve the job more than I did. Um, but I was obviously I'm grateful for him giving me that opportunity. So did you pump the brakes a little bit? Was it two and a half hours before you got there? <laughs> I think it was, a, it might've been 24 hours. Um, I walked in and John was sitting at his desk. I was like, Hey, I got the job. And I think we both looked at each other stunned, to be honest with you. Uh, but it was good. It was, you know, everybody's, he was real supportive of it. Um, you know, I called my dad, obviously my dad, and my, my wife were the first two phone calls, of course. And, uh, you know, everybody was excited, man. It was, it was, you know, we knew that we were getting ready to start a new journey in our life. And, uh, you know, fast forward to nine years later, my wife and I, we have five kids and um, she's super supportive of this profession. Now, actually, I, the, the way I met my wife was through coaching. I was coaching with her brother at Waynesburg, and he introduced me to her. Um, so it was kind of, you know, we're just around a lot of sports, man, a lot of, around a lot of good people. Good stuff. Uh, so, so besides the obvious, um, how different is being a head coach as opposed to an assistant or a coordinator? Ooh, um, you know, I don't know if it's different. I think because, it, you know, it, it, I think it depends on how the head coach leads. If the head coach has an open book and shares everything, I think everybody feels pretty well-versed. And, you know, and, we, and I share, I mean, to maybe to a fault, but I share budget. I share how we're going to travel. Um, you know, we really try to make sure it's a, it's a committee decision. And ultimately, I know, you know, I got to make the final decision. Um, but I try to refrain too much from that. I, you know, I, 
when the negative stuff comes up, that's when I know I got to step in and remove those guys from that. And I'll deal with that. And, and, but you know, we don't have a whole lot of negative stuff too much at all. We've got some really good kids that understand the, you know, the, obviously the passion for the sport, but they, they really care about their academics. So it's, I don't, I don't know if it's too much difference. It's just, you know, you think you've prepared, you think you have answers for everything until you actually walk in those shoes. It's, it's going to be different, man. And you learn as you go. And I, and I don't envy, there's a lot of, I have two, two good friends now that are walking into, you know, being first year head coaches, they're both pretty young and I don't envy them at all right now because you put being a first year head coach and you put this COVID situation on top of them. Um, you know, they're going to be able to write a book one of these days that it's a unique opportunity. So when you took over uh, to be the head coach, was there anything that uh, obviously excitement, you were, you were pumped up, ready to go, uh, but probably I'm sure some nerves too. Was there anything that you were kind of like, man, you know, maybe I'm not, I feel like I'm not really prepared or ready for this certain situation and it wasn't a big deal. Um, or was there anything that you thought was going to be not a big deal and it was more difficult than you thought it was going to be? You know, I, I think what I learned and it probably took me two or three years is don't sweat the little things. Um, you know, I would, at times I would be, you know, maybe frustrated. Um, you can use in a, a number of words, and I you know, ultimately would sit there and look and be like, wait a second, that's not that important right now. Like, why am I over? Why am I overreacting to this? Focus on why you're here. You're focused on helping kids. You're focusing on being a leader of of, of other men, of other coaches. Um, you know, like the budget stuff and you know fundraising and, and just you know find the good in it all instead of worrying about the little things you can't control. But it took me a while. I'll be honest with you. I mean, that's easy to say now, but. And I still fight that. That's a battle you fight every single day and making sure your priorities are in line, making sure you, you keep those priorities, those core values that you have uh, as your driving force each and every single day. Because you can get lost, man. Your mind can go in 18 different directions. And all of a sudden, at the end of the day, you look like you, you ask yourself, what did I actually accomplish today? And not a whole hell of a lot. Well, guess what? You, you just lost that day. So, uh, who, who would you say is the most underrated kid you've ever coached? Um, I don't know necessarily underrated, but I think it's a kid that is could have got a lot more. And that's a kid by the name of James Huddleston. Um, and, and there's a lot of them because I think that, you know, I've been obviously at a few different places, been to Waynesburg, been to, you know, University of Wisconsin, Platteville, Westminster, BW, had a lot of really good kids. Um, so I could sit here for hours and talk about a lot of different kids. But this kid was a kid, and I think a lot of it had to do, obviously it's my first year being a head coach. Um, I didn't recruit this kid, didn't know much about him, and he embraced me right away, and he just wanted to win. He, he, this kid cared about winning, cared about everybody else besides himself. He was defensive end for us, uh, you know, tough kid out of Detroit. And he ended up, after he graduated, coached for us. Um, and then went on to Otterbein as a coach as well. He's out of coaching right now, but he's still in um, kind of like a sports med, sports health industry. But anyways, this kid was, you know, 5'10", nothing. Um, but I guarantee you, if you ask anybody in our conference, he was one of the most dynamic, tough kids, physical, wouldn't stop. Um, you know, it's, you had a, kids were afraid of him, but you know, you get him off the field and he puts an arm around you, loves you, hugs you, a very religious kid. And, you know, just one of those kids that I think deserved the world. He should have been an all American, could have, should have been the conference player of the year. Um, but of course I'm going to be biased, um, as far as just the type of kid he is. Do you remember your first win as a head coach? Absolutely. Um, kind of a crazy story because our bye week, and I don't know if I shared this with you yet, our bye week, so when I got the job, my wife was pregnant with twins. 
and I kept that quiet for a little while because I didn't know if that would scare some people because that's, you know, that's three and four coming, not one and two. And uh, so it was kind of funny because I gave the, the AD the head, by the way, thanks for hiring me, but I'm also having twins in August um, and their birthday is August 31st. <laughs> so bad timing on our part. And luckily the way the season fell, uh, our bye week was week one for whatever reason. And so we started a week later. And the Friday of our bye week, which is week one, um, my wife had a scheduled C-section. And I tell everybody that, you know, oh, yeah, it's because of my schedule and I, I controlled that. But that was pure luck, 100% <laughs> pure luck. So we had twins on that Friday. The following Saturday, you know, we're in our first game at Denison. And uh, that was a big deal. Um, he's not too many people, people realize Keith Piper, who's the, the legend at Denison, played for my great-grandfather. And, um, you know, he, Keith is known for his single wing, but he learned a lot of it was from my great-grandfather, B.W. So there was, a, there was a little bit of emotional connection there. But, you know, I was just worried about getting in there and are we going to snap the ball and not turn the ball over. And, but we had, again, you know, that year we were 9-1, had really good kids um, with James. We had a kid by the name of Tyler Swery, who's a coach in Napoleon High School right now, who has an extremely bright future ahead of him in coaching profession. Uh, we had probably the best quarterback in the conference. So, you know, I walked into a pretty good situation, man. And uh, we won that game, and it was, it was huge. It was awesome. Um, and it was, it was obviously a special time for my family, but more importantly for, for our program. Are there any games that you wish you could have back as a player or a coach? Yeah, there's plenty of games, man. There's games that I know that, um, you know, you're going to lose games. We all know that. You're going to win games, obviously, hopefully more wins and losses, of course. We're all competitive. Um, the games that I look back on is maybe there's a, an opportunity where maybe I didn't call the right time out at the right time or, or help call the right play or, or I th felt like I put our kids in a bad situation or maybe I just didn't prepare them, you know, well enough for the game. Those are the games you look back like, man, you know, it, it's, it's one thing to lose a game, but it's, it's another thing when you feel like you probably could have done something differently Monday through Friday. And, uh, and I know that everybody's going to say there's a lot of things you, you want to change no matter what, good or bad. But there's, a, there's, you know, there's one or two there, man, that, I wish we could line up and play again for sure. You know, week 10 last year, we're at Wittenberg playing for a share of the conference title. And uh, I think all of us, you know, we ended up 7-3 last year. But I think all of us, you know, if we could have that game back, we felt like we, you know, if we could have played better, done some different things, if I could prepare them better, you know, there's a lot of things that I would have done differently. So, obviously, college is unique. Um, you know, high school, not so much. You don't really do this. Uh, professionally, you don't really do this. But recruiting. Uh, you've got to be on your game. You've got to have high energy. How much of a grind is recruiting? You know, it, it is. It's full time. You know, I think years ago where there was seasons, you know, you played your season and then recruiting started. Um, but recruiting has, has evolved like technology. And good or bad, you know, with that social media has just created a, um, a war machine for recruiting. And, um, and I think it, as a coach, you really got to embrace it. You got to look at it as a positive because if you don't, it's going to drive you out of the profession because it is 24 seven, no matter what level you coach, you know, and, and for high school coaches too. I mean, it, the amount of recruiting that, you know, I, I walk into high school and I talk to the coach and he's like, Oh, you're the eighth coach. who just walked my door today. So, you know, there's eight college coaches on top of them trying to teach their kids. You know, it's, it goes, it, it goes in a lot of different directions. Um, pretty busy, but these kids, they want to be recruited and they, they watch it on ESPN. They watched it on Twitter. Um, you know, it's amazing. Like it's, you know, next recruiting class is really 2021 and 
you know, I've had kids from 2026 or emailing saying, Hey, recruit me. I'm like, wait a second. Are you like a sixth grader right now? Like, <laughs> you know, and again, that's far and few between, but um, yeah, at every level, the recruiting is a little bit different scholarship, full scholarship, part scholarship, no scholarship. Because you know, our kids, they're not getting anything athletically technically. And um, you know, they're there because they love the game of football and, and they want to have obviously a very good, um, education academically. So is that something you pay attention to as a coach? Do you pay attention to social media and what kids are doing on there? Of course. Um, you know, I, I was telling you earlier was, you know, when a kid, when, when we find out about a kid, we dive right into social media and we've stopped recruiting a lot of kids. And, and the question always becomes, well, you're not handing out a scholarship. I said, yeah, but do I want those kids around our guys? You know, I have a responsibility to our current players to make sure that there's good kids that we bring in. And, you know, if you see those things on social, social media, that's an easy way of just stopping. And you don't even, you haven't even had a conversation with the kid, um, you know, and, and unfortunately there's some parents that, you know, you dive into that too. And you can, you can see the big picture pretty quickly where maybe 10 or 15 years ago, you didn't see that. You didn't know anything about the kid until he came to campus um, or the or the information he provided. Well, guess what? Now I'm searching on online, and I'm watching what you're doing every single day, and you don't even know it. And uh, you know, it's there's you find out a lot of good things about kids, but you find some bad things too. Um, and you know, I I tell our current players, your social media account is your resume. You know, you guys create resumes, and people email them, and they see the name on it, and the first thing they do is go to your Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or whatever it may be, Snapchat. And I'm not too fun of that. I don't know that one yet, but <laughs> I'm working with it. And, uh, you know, but I got guys that know it a lot better than I do. Um, but you know, really that's, that is your resume right now. And that's what you, kids need to be aware of, man. That's you're putting that out there. That's what we're going to be known for, whether that's truly who you are or not. Absolutely. What, uh, what are some things you've taken away from other coaches? I feel like whether it's coaching, teaching, being a parent, whatever it is, if you want to be great, you got to kind of steal some things, some ideas from other people. Uh, what are some things you've taken? Um, I've taken a lot. You know, I think coaching is, you know, we're the best thieves in the business, to be honest with you, because we, we're, we're open books. I think we like to share a lot of stuff. Um, I think we all realize really what we're here, what we're here to do, and that's to make a positive impact on kids, not to sound cliche or anything. Um, but there's a lot of different ways of doing things. And that's the beauty of this game is there's so many different ways to do it the right way. Uh, but there's a lot of things. You know, I, I grew up, my whole family's been intertwined with the Trestle family. And, you know, I think the world of Jim Trestle, I think he's one of the greatest, was one of the greatest, you know, coaches in the game and still could be. Um, he's the president, obviously, Youngstown State right now. And uh, the, the very first thing I think that's been a, a, a key foundation of our program is what he called his winner's manual. You know, we call it our champion's manual here. Um, we made it our own version, but obviously the core value, the, the core foundation of the book was derived from him and his winner's manual. Um, you know, and I think another thing that helps create our culture that we've taken from is actually Ohio State and um, it's, it's a color system and uh, you know it's there's three colors blue is bad black is good and red is elite so red and black are our two colors obviously blue we just picked that as a bad color for some odd reason um, but you know our kids every single day are, are listed in one of those three colors and it has nothing to do with their athletic ability or what they're doing on the field it has everything to do with who they are as a person how they're doing academically um, do they go above and beyond? Um, but you got to climb in those three colors. And, he, and obviously being elite, it has to be something special. And, you know, that's something that we don't take lightly. And we talk about it daily. So it's part of our program. But our kids, they see it every single day. So 
And it's not just for the players to see where they're at in our eyes. And, and I believe in this. It's hard for our coaches, too, because it creates some of those tough conversations um, where a coach has to sometimes, especially young coaches, shy away from that stuff. And now we have some young coaches on staff that, hey, you put your kid in blue, you better be able to tell them why. Um, and so it's, it creates a good – it really is just a, a vehicle to create good communication for our guys. Sure. So, so what do you do in your spare time uh, outside of coaching? How do you unwind? Um, I have, a, you know, five kids. It's kind of hard to unwind necessarily, I think. But, uh, you know, our family is important. My, my parents, obviously, an hour and a half north here are very involved in, our, in what we do down here. Uh, we have some awesome neighbors. We love the neighborhood we live in. We live in the Old Tangy School District. Uh, and we really, really just love this area. And it is an awesome area to raise a family. And honestly, you know, I, I grew up near a golf course. I should be a way better golfer than I am right now. Um, but I still enjoy it once in a while, but it's like once or twice. We're actually going out as a staff this Thursday. Um, and it's, I think we ended up taking more of the course with us when we leave than we actually <laughs> leave. There. But anyways, you know, it's just little things, man. It's been a lot of time with family. Um, and that's, there's not much time in between there. I think that's hard to, you know, I, I think there's a saying, if, if show me a, show me a good golfer and I'll show you a bad coach. I, I think I heard that there somewhere. So I don't, I just I enjoy going out once in a blue moon. Who is the best golfer on your staff? Who? That's a great question. It'll be our offensive line coach, uh, Morgan Cotter, or um, our D-line coach, which is Casey King. The two big guys probably – they play the most by far. Um, it's not even that's, – that's the argument we have uh, is that they just get to play more than others. But actually, they're pretty good golfers. So, so, so are, are you, I would say, are you a little alarmed if they golf really well this – this week, then you're wondering, man, you're, you're kind of taking a step back. Coaching. <laughs> we're, we're playing a scramble, so we don't even know what's going to happen, to be honest with you. Just to, we'll have fun and play nine holes. And, um, you know, we have, a, we have a staff that's been together for a long time, and uh, we have a lot of fun, and uh, we just enjoy ourselves. And, and uh, yeah, it'll be interesting. If, if they're playing really well, I might have to second guess what their, uh, their motivation is. <laughs> uh, do you have any superstitions uh, before games? I do, and I don't think I've ever, ever – well, my dad knows about this. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't necessarily call myself superstitious. It's more of like just the routine. I think I, I, I would say. I don't know if that's a better way to say it. But uh, on game day, I carry two things. Um, I carry my great grandfather's whistle that he carried in 1920. I put it in my pocket as good luck charm. And then I have um, a coin that about five years ago, one of our big alums, his name's Bob Morrow, was a huge history buff. And he's done a lot for the university above and beyond. But he brought a, uh, a West Point grad, and he was, his name's General Ord, O-R-D. And at one point, he was the commanding general of the Pacific Fleet for the United States Army Corps. And he came and talked to our players, and he actually presented me with one of those challenge coins. And it was, it's always stuck with me. It's just been kind of, a, you know, it, 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 it's a really cool symbol of, of all the things that our, you know, our armed services are willing to do for this country and allow us to play a game that we all love. And, um, but those are the two things that I, I carry in my pockets for a game. Um, I call them my good luck charms. So I don't know if I'm, it's like a superstition necessarily, but I definitely would uh, not be at ease if I forgot them or something like that on a, on a game. So. Good deal. What, uh, what's your favorite sports movie? Ooh, that's a good one. There's a lot of um, sports movies. Oh man, the natural I, th I think is a good one. Um, Major League is a good one. I enjoy <laughs> that. Uh, 
you know, I'm trying. Now you caught me off guard on that. Is, is there is there any that are kind of underrated? Maybe other people don't really talk much about them, but you kind of like them. Yeah, necessary roughness is one that a throwback that maybe a lot of people don't talk about too much. It's always a good one to throw back out there in a blue moon, and kids always. We show it to our players once in once a while. They're like, did they really play the game like that back in the day? <laughs> I'm like, well, parts of it are exaggerated, but yeah. <laughs> uh, what, uh, you're a music guy, big uh, music buff. What, uh, what would you say the most underrated band is? Most underrated band, in my opinion, and this is going to – my players know this, I think it's Bruce Springsteen. Um, I'm a big Boss fan. Uh, my players are not. And uh, they obviously – I have – I pride. I had a lot of pride. Every every staff that I've been on, I was like the DJ for practice and game day, and um, a lot of pressure to be honest with you. Because you had to have, you had to keep everybody happy. But about <laughs> three years ago, I realized music. I think has passed me by, and uh, I'm stuck in my old ways a little bit. I finally felt old at that point. So now I actually assigned a young coach, and I call him DJ in his last name. So this year it was going to be DJ DJ Page. Um, but I, I've relinquished the duties to a young coach who can, can mix in um, some stuff. The only thing we ask for is to mix up, mix up the genres for practice once in a while because me and the defense coordinator uh, really like, you know, the old school rock, ACDC, um, Guns N' Roses and stuff like that. But, uh, you know, our players, I think, like a whole different, different tune these days. Was that, was that hard for you to give up? I mean, if that was your thing. Oh, yeah, because I was, I was juiced. I practiced. I was excited. And, but music was blaring. It was the music that I loved. And all of a sudden I look around and the players are staring at me like, coach, what is this? <laughs> and I knew that it probably wasn't so, you know, that was more, should have been more meant for the players to get pumped for practice and not me. Um, so that's, that was a hard, the hardest one. Now I walk out there and I just make, I, I poke fun with the man. I, you know, I obviously have little kids. I have a 12 year old daughter who listens to just about everything. Um, and she keeps me in the loop of the know of what I should know and who I should listen to. Um, but it's funny. We, we, we have a lot of fun with our players and let them obviously control what we're listening to. Well, what would you be doing if you weren't coaching football? I don't know. Um, I, I, I think I'd be in a classroom. I think I'd teach. Um, you know, I, both my parents were high school teachers, and I really just enjoy being around people. Um, you know, I, I couldn't see myself sitting behind a desk 24-7. And, um, I think that's the greatest thing about this profession is that, A, you're dealing with people and building relationships but every single day brings you something new um, and how you learn how to respond to those things. I think, you know, I, I couldn't tell you what, you know, Monday is not always Monday and Tuesday is not always Tuesday and Wednesday is not always Wednesday. It's always something new. And that's the beauty of, I think, football and teaching in general is just because, you know, it's, you're dealing with different people that have a lot of different problems or, you know, you're trying to help people achieve their goals they want to achieve. All right, coach, man, I really appreciate you being on the podcast and best of luck in the future. And you do a great job, man. You used to have some really cool people on here, and this thing's only going to grow. This is awesome. I, I enjoy listening to it, and I wish you all the best. Thank you. Tell Brett I said hello. He's a good dude. He's a really good player, too, by the way. <laughs> Thanks a lot for listening to another episode of the Bases Loaded podcast, and be sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Bases Podcast.